0: Hello Minnesota, I'm Leona. And I'm Tony. Thank you for listening to our second show of Hello, Minnesota. In this episode, we'll address some of your comments and suggestions from our first show. We'll discuss considerations for those thinking about voting third party this election year. And we'll talk about the huge news of Judge Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court.
1: Before we get into all of that, we should address our initial thoughts of the first presidential debate. We watched it last night streaming on my laptop. What were your reactions from Tuesday's debate? Did anyone change their mind? Who do you think won? What was your favorite moment? What was the low, lowest moment of the debate? We'd love to hear from you on our social media.
0: We do want to thank all of you who listened to our first episode and replied via Facebook, texts, or personal emails to us. We are trying to grow the show into that end. We now have Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. Our handle is at Hello MN Podcast. And we'd appreciate follows, likes, shares, and comments from all of you.
1: Yeah, definitely. We tried to get Hello Minnesota, but that was all taken up. So we did get the domain as well, Hello MN Podcast.com. We don't have a website up yet, but like Leona said, our goal is to grow the show. And uh, you guys are an integral part of helping us grow it. And we appreciate everyone who's listened so far, who shared it. Uh, our social media pages are a little bit lonely right now we promise we'll get more content up there but if you can try to find us and to uh, follow share and like uh, what we send out we certainly would appreciate that uh back to the debate um i don't think there really was a real clear winner of the debate i highly doubt anybody changed their mind about who they were going to vote for and that's typical of most uh Uh, political debates that we have on the presidential level anyways. It it seems to be one zinger after another who can get the the most gotcha moments. And uh, I felt pretty stressed, actually, the entire time I was watching it. I felt anxious, stressed. Um, um, It was not an enjoyable experience.
0: I agree. I also think that the few actual facts and policies that were presented on either side were quickly dismissed or completely ignored. And so, um, yeah, I feel like it was almost entirely trying to just give zingers or get someone to say something and not at all rooted in uh, in reality or policies or the effects of policies and I think that's really that's what matters. The, that's
1: the shape that's the shame of our current format that we have with television because I think the audience actually people who watch these debates would love to see them go deeper. They would love to see a format that was longer um, that was expanded where they could go into great details about their thoughts, beliefs. it was that was less about, trying to uh, uh, crush the other person or destroy the other person, and more about ideas, philosophy, vision, principles, uh, things like that. So at at the end of the day, I I don't think there was a clear winner, but it seems to me that, uh, again, the American people or the American voters seemingly lost in this debate. Sadly. Who knows, but we're going to move on to the comments, Leona.
0: Yeah, so one... Um, kind of general theme among many of the comments, which I think was an excellent one to bring up, is that more lives than the unborn matter. And I I do want to say absolutely, without a doubt, Tony and I believe this to our core and uh, whether or not someone is Catholic, the Catholic Church believes this to its core. And I, I said Can this last time. Can you explain that
1: argument a little better?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all the principles of Catholic social teaching, I, I honestly think I mean, without a doubt, they would change the world. And um, I think this is one really beautiful summary of it. This is from Pope Francis, and it's actually in the 2020 letter from the United States Council of Catholic Bishops. So the letter says, and then I'll get into the quote from Pope Francis Pope Francis has continued to draw attention to important issues such as migration, xenophobia, racism, abortion, global conflict, and care for creation. In the United States and around the world, many challenges demand our attention. The threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks life itself, because it takes place within the sanctuary of the family, and because of the number of lives destroyed. At the same time, we cannot dismiss or ignore other serious threats to human life and dignity, such as racism, the environmental crisis, poverty, and the death penalty. So I want to make very clear... None of what Tony and I were trying to say was that the unborn have to take, uh, that the unborn are more important than born lives in any way. Um, And I think that the church makes it so clear. I also think it's important to recognize if we are practicing Catholics, um, the statement of the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it is a direct attack upon life itself takes place within the family and because of the the sheer number of lives destroyed. But I just want to say a couple things. We absolutely respect each person's own decision regarding voting. Um, Part of the reason we even discussed Father Altman last week was to make clear that Catholics can and should use their own consciences, ability to reason, and the virtue of prudence to determine who to vote for. This means, of course, some Catholics will choose Trump, some Biden, and some third party, which we will talk more about in just a minute. Uh, But we also feel an obligation to point out the fact that Biden does support the direct murder of always innocent humans. Voting for this is a really big deal, and so I do think it's important for all of us to consider what other areas would be proportionate to this. So certainly how the poor are treated is absolutely equally as important as how the unborn are treated. But currently, no candidate supports murdering all who are poor, so we end up having to choose between a third-party vote, or Biden, who supports murder of the innocent and other policies, some good and some bad, or Trump, who does not support the direct murder of others and also supports other policies, some good and some bad. So in my opinion, if Trump actually wanted to undo all welfare programs, Medicaid, and public education, if, if he had increased rather than decreased unemployment in general and in particular for minorities, then I think it would be clear that he doesn't care about anyone except the unborn. And when I say care, I mean legislatively. I have no idea whether he actually recognizes the dignity of the unborn. I just know what he's supported and the 200 plus judges he's appointed. But the effects of the Trump administration have improved employment for all. He has not done away with welfare programs, and he's actually created parental leave in places where it didn't previously exist. And he has helped to reform our foster care system as well as other initiatives. So does this mean that Trump's economic policies and work for reforming our justice system, work for parental leave, etc., doesn't mean that his initiatives in these areas are inherently better than Biden's? No, that's what each of us has to personally decide but it it is true that supporting abortion, as Biden does, is always inherently evil because it is murder. And so in my opinion, we're faced with many policies, the merits of which we must discuss. And one policy that we know is always wrong, no need for discussion, and that policy is abortion. So this is why... Um, I think that a vote for Biden is is a particularly big deal because of that. It is not because unborn life is the only life that matters. It is not because unborn life matters more than born life. So in no way am I trying to shame those who will vote for Biden, but I think it's important that others also not be shamed for not voting for Biden. Um, I think it's important to look at the effects of the current and past presidential administrations not only their verbally stated goals, but the actual effects of their administrations. I also think it's important to consider things um, like, like for example, the UN's reporting of numbers of abortions and pregnancies across the world and um, countries where where all social programs are provided for everyone. Like, for example, I mean, there are other issues in communist countries, but China and Cuba, for example, have the very highest abortion rates Despite, despite everyone having access to healthcare, for example, um, I have, I want everyone to have access to excellent healthcare, absolutely. But all I'm trying to say is that saying a blanket statement like "let's simply provide state issued healthcare to every single person" without looking into what is that actually going to look like for people that is not a simple solution. To the problem of abortion. I, I think it's more complicated. So I think we need to discuss what is actually going to give every single person quality health care. We need to debate that. But while we're debating that, I think we need to say, in the meantime, we're not going to kill innocent human life.
1: So yeah, the issue of proportionality or proportion that came up in our last episode It's an important concept for informed Catholics to take into consideration how they're going to vote this presidential election cycle. And perhaps we need to to reach into that a little more because some of our uh, audience members, they pointed out that the Democratic Party stands for uh, many, many different uh, aspects beyond abortion, many different principles or values beyond abortion. They specifically will point out to things like the environment is a big one. Uh, combating global warming. And uh, they'll also point out to the coronavirus in terms of how the different viewpoints of of Republicans or President Trump has differed from uh, what democratic governors, and uh, progressives have uh, promoted as the best way to um, maybe resolve or contain uh, the current virus pandemic. And can you talk a little bit more about proportion? Because what they'll say is that the proportion of the other good that the Democratic Party does in terms of the environment, coronavirus, uh, social welfare issues, immigration, outweighs the um, the, uh, need to make abortion an issue, the sole issue that they should vote on.
0: I, I mean, I am not an expert in proportionality. That's why I say, and why Tony, we're trying to make clear that people need to make this decision, I think themselves. I do think it's striking that all of our teaching documents, if you're a Catholic, do talk about, as I read before, the threat of abortion remains a preeminent, priority um, because it's such a direct attack on human life so i think as i said with healthcare, i i don't know anyone who doesn't want everyone to have quality health care but to say oh case closed obama and biden provided quality health care to everyone and trump is making sure that anyone who has pre-existing conditions is not receiving healthcare, I think is simply not true. And so to, to kind of rest on that and say, because of this, it's definitely okay to vote for Biden, even though he supports the direct murder of people, I think is really complex. Um, and I think that we need to be willing to discuss the complexities of these issues, which have I don't know if they necessarily have many solutions, but I think to get to the very best solution requires debate and discussion and looking at history and looking at other countries and what is and is not working. But when it comes to abortion, it it's always an inherent evil. So denying someone health care, I would definitely say, is an inherent evil. But to say simply that Biden has always provided health care for people and Trump has not, is also inaccurate. Yes, and so I think we need to look at the actual results of policies and discuss what's best, but while we do that we need to realize that we are faced with an always an inherent evil of murdering innocent people in our own country and abroad.
1: Yes, there are a lot of voters who strongly despise and and I'll even use the word hate President Trump. There's no doubt about it. The amount of vitriol emotions the, the narrative is so strong and overwhelming that i don't think you can have a, a reasoned debate with a person who has come to this conclusion um i'm not going to sit here and tell them that they're wrong or they're right i don't happen to believe the narrative that president trump is a racist i don't believe that he's xenophobic i don't think that he's misogynistic i just think that he's a human being with all the the flaws and 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 positive characteristics nobody's perfect i guess is the bottom line if any of us talked as we know just from this podcast (laughs) if you sit in front of a camera for three hours hour and a half and you're just streaming your consciousness you are going to say some things that are off the wall things that can be twisted turned used against you every which way most of the media agrees president trump's one of the most if not the most transparent president's that we've had in our lifetime if you compare that to the choice of Vice President Biden he's one of the least transparent presidential candidates and so was President Obama he was very private not very trans- transparent everything was scripted if you look at Vice President Biden's most recent trip to Minnesota he didn't allow any of the local media to to go along he only allowed the national cable media that always travels with him he shut out wcco he shut out esme murphy he shut out kstp he didn't invite any of the local media outlets into his uh during his stay when he was here in duluth which is completely unprecedented and the local media was making such points so um interesting yes but Going back to my original point, if you are one of those individuals who believes that President Trump is awful for America, if he's the exact opposite of what we need in the president and there's no way that you can possibly vote for him and you're still a pro-life Christian or Catholic individual.
0: um, Or atheist, pro-life person. (laughs) Or
1: atheist, yeah. And if you cannot possibly see yourself ever voting for biden because of his stance on abortion then uh, you know third party might be a good option for you so we're going to go over some of the considerations for third party candidates this is all going to be specific to minnesota each state has their own uh, separate state laws in terms of how they recognize parties every ballot's going to be slightly different in terms of who is on the ballot so to start uh, i'm going to just list off uh, what the actual ballot is going to look like here in Minnesota. Uh, so we have Donald Trump and Mike Pence, the Republican Party. Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris with the DFL. Uh, Roque Rocky De La Fuente and Darcy Richardson, who's part of the Independence Alliance Party. Howie Hawkins and Angela Walker, Green Party. Kanye West and Michelle Tidball, Independent. Brock Pierce and Carla Ballard Independent, Gloria La Riva and Leonard Peltier Socialism and Liberation, Allison Kennedy and Malcolm Jarrett Socialist Workers Party, Joe Jorgensen and Jeremy Spike Cohen Libertarian Party, and then you have the option uh, to write in. And it's important to note also, so those are the candidates. If you wanted to write somebody in, uh, for that vote to count as a write in, the procedure in Minnesota is that person actually has to petition the government to be uh, valid, validated to, to have a, a write in campaign. So if you're going to vote for somebody who's not on that ballot and write them in and they haven't petitioned the government, the state government yet for uh, election, then that write in vote is essentially, uh, it won't be counted. It, it won't be counted towards any candidate.
0: Would it be counted, like, say everyone in Minnesota wrote in the same person? I know this would never happen. But then, I mean, it would be counted, right, if there were enough write-ins for a particular person? No,
1: no, it, it wouldn't It wouldn't count because uh, they have to, um, if you're going to write in a candidate, it says right here, I'm reading off the Secretary of State website, It says a presidential candidate who wishes to run as a write-in candidate in Minnesota must file a written request in order for the write-in votes for them to be counted. This request must also include the name of the vice presidential candidate and the name uh, um, um, of at least one, but not more than 10, candidates for presidential elector. And they need to send in this request before. The primary, which was May 19th, 2020, um, oh, for the, to be on the primary. And then the seventh day before the general election, which is October 27th, 2020. So they need to take wow. that action in order for their write-in candidacy to count. Uh, so that brings in another question just about parties in, uh, in Minnesota in particular. So there's two different designations. Of parties. There are uh, major parties and minor parties. So the major parties in Minnesota currently are the Democratic Farm and Labor Party, the DFL, uh, the Grassroots Legalized Cannabis Party, there's the Legal Marijuana Now Party, and then there's the Republican Party of Minnesota. And the minor parties are the Green Party, the Independence Party, and the Libertarian Party. So those are the only current uh, recognized parties in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And in order to um, essentially be qualified in the state to establish a political party, um, you need to do a few different things. And this is this is all established by uh, Minnesota statute section 200.02. Um But if you want to be considered a major party, you need to do one of the two things. You need to either have a governor and lieutenant governor, secretary of state, state auditor, or attorney general uh, candidate at the last preceding state election for those offices. And then for presidential electors or the United States senator, uh, uh, at least preceding state general election for presidential electors, the candidate must have at least five percent of the total number of votes cast in that particular year so um, you know i guess what this comes down to then is is if you are going to vote third party i guess the question would be who Mm -hmm. another question would be why are you voting for that person is your vote a protest vote or are you trying to actually uh, accomplish something through your vote um is the party that you're voting for for third party number one is that person has a have they filed what they need to file in order for a write-in vote to be counted if that particular candidate third party candidate that you're voting for is not part of a, a major or minor party as recognized by the state you know you might be throwing your vote away in that instance if you're because it may not be counted.
0: Just to clarify that, so Kanye West did whatever he needed to do to get on the ballot in Minnesota. Thousand signatures. Okay, and that's different based on the state, right? The number of signatures you need. I think California is something like 200,000. But Kanye West got enough signatures to officially be on the ballot in Minnesota, but he is not on the ballot with any party, correct?
1: He's just listed as an independent.
0: Okay, so if... If I vote for him, will my what will my vote be doing? If
1: you vote for Kanye West?
0: Yes, in Minnesota.
1: Um, I mean, you it'll be tallied. Okay. It'll be counted. Um it won't be a vote for President Trump, and it won't be a vote for
0: Right. I guess I'm asking more what will it do in terms of I mean, it won't, it wouldn't be furthering any party since he's not a part of a party. It would just be saying, this is the person I support for president at this time. Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. Which is why, you know, a lot of it, you have to kind of look at, you know, where you are um, in terms of history. Who is your vote in your state? Who's it going to take away from? You know, what's, what party does your state lean towards? You know, Minnesota. I guess this year year could be considered a purple state or a swing state. It's one of the first times in a long time that Minnesota's actually been on the map. A Republican hasn't won Minnesota in the presidential election since the early 1970s. I think I think it was Nixon was the last person that this state this last Republican that this state voted for. Um, so it's kind of a big deal actually that we're a swing state this year in 2016. So if we just look back at the decision that voters faced in 2016, it was president Trump versus Hillary Clinton. There was a number of third party candidates at that point too. Um, Gary Johnson was a libertarian one. So he was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the, the gentleman from uh, Utah. I can't remember the the name of him off the top of my head, um, but everybody kind of wrote, Minnesota off in 2016. Mm -hmm. There was a number of never Trumper Republicans uh, that year. And when the election was said and done in Minnesota, uh, Hillary Clinton only won the state by 1.5%, which surprised a lot of people back then. Because A, nobody even really, not many people thought Trump was even going to win. but let alone for him to come so close in Minnesota was pretty historic. And something to consider is that if those never Trumpers and uh, the people who just couldn't stomach the thought of President Trump who were more conservative and pro-life, if they would have voted for Trump and not the third party, he would have won the state of Minnesota. And... Um, it wouldn't have affected the election overall because, obviously, President Trump still won. Um, but this year, in particular, Minnesota is going to have an effect on how the final votes are tallied, the Electoral mm-hmm. College. And so um, it's an important consideration. Your vote, no matter where it goes, is not going to be thrown away. Your vote is going to have a very severe consequence. Yeah in terms of who's going to be our next president. And go ahead.
0: I do want to say, so my friend actually sent this to me, and I'm trying to find the source. I should have asked her. But I think that this is true, and I'm bringing it up to say that uh, our goal is not to say everyone or every Catholic ought to vote this way. So I think this is something good to keep in mind. A vote need not be successful in a consequentialist sense. It can be used as an act of educating others or just exercising one's conscience one's rational ability to determine what one thinks is best. So um, I think we don't need to agree with that statement, but I just think it's, it's something for each person to consider as they determine who to vote for. Um, I do think that if you're not abstaining from a vote, so if you are voting, we all need to recognize the reality that whether we vote for... Biden, Trump or a third party vote that we are in some way going to affect whether Biden or Trump will be the next president. Yeah. So I think we all need to weigh that.
1: Yeah. And there's no doubt about it that either the Republican conservative libertarian vision and the is going to win in the general election or it's going to be the Democratic progressive socialist vision that's going to win in terms of the u.s senate race and in terms of the presidency and going back to 2016 and a lot of those never trumpers a lot of people who um, um, didn't vote for trump then i do know are voting for him this time around and one of the big factors that caused them to come around was to see the actual consequences of the presidency He has now had three Supreme Court nominees coming through. Uh, First one was uh, Justice Gorsuch, who was confirmed, and then Justice Kavanaugh, who was confirmed, and then uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who is the third nominee, and it's yet to be seen whether or not she's going to be confirmed uh, prior to the election. Um, Elections have consequences. And it's hard to argue that they don't. So, when you're determining whether your vote's going to go third party, whether it's going to go Trump or to Biden, you need to take into consideration the consequences of the actual vote. Because um, three Supreme Court justices is historic for one president in a first term. It's going to affect the rest of our country for decades and decades to come. Um, Neither Leona and I are Supreme Court justice scholars. We're not Mm -hmm. lawyers. So we can't speak beyond just the basic research and interpretation that we do as non-lawyers, non-attorneys.
0: So it's difficult to talk about Amy Coney Barrett without... Obviously, thinking of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, her life of public service was incredible in so many ways. Uh, her work, even prior to becoming a Supreme Court justice, did so much in terms of allowing women in particular to, to dream and achieve what they dream, um, and in terms of undoing limits previously imposed on women. So I think that's really incredible um Amy Coney Barrett so one one reason that we wanted to do this podcast was was so that we aren't spending all of our time discussing <laughs> politics and what's happening in the world but so that we can spend some some dedicated time looking into issues and actually spending time researching reality, I guess, researching what's actually happening. So this is a way to hold us accountable for that. So I'll give a quick rundown on Amy Coney Barrett for people who may be interested, but maybe don't have time to look into it. Um, From CBS News, she is the oldest of seven. She was born in New Orleans. She received her JD from the Notre Dame Law School. She graduated, I think, first in her class. She clerked for Justice Scalia from 98 to 99, and then she went into private practice until 2002, which is the year she began teaching at Notre Dame. She became a professor of law in 2010. Her expertise was in federal courts, constitutional law, and statutory interpretation. Uh, She was nominated by Trump to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals in 2017, and then, as we all know, she was recently nominated by him for the Supreme Court. Her husband is a criminal defense attorney, and his name is Jesse. They have uh, seven children. When they had two biological children, they adopted their daughter Vivian from Haiti. She was 14 months old at the time, and when they first adopted her, she couldn't speak Or pull herself up to stand, and she was in size zero to three months clothes, three month clothes due to malnutrition. She is now healthy, thankfully, and uh, also has no problems with speech. Uh, Amy and Jesse then had another biological child and then decided to adopt again. There were issues with their paperwork. After the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, their paperwork went through. And they then had three hours to decide whether or not to adopt their now son. At that time, Amy was pregnant again. So they did choose to go forward with the adoption, which then quickly gave them six children. They have since had one more child. Um, Their youngest happens to have Down syndrome. Um,
1: It was so beautiful to see
0: the... The video? Yeah. Of the speech or leaving their house? Of them
1: leaving the house. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it was actually... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> she was just packing up all the kids, getting yeah. ready to go to her nominating ceremony, and and packing the kids into the van.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was it was pretty touching. Also, to see them all her, all of her children walking out behind her, um, I think was really neat. Actually, shows shows what's possible um, when when people have have a calling and have a desire and have have the right support. You can be a mother of seven and be the Supreme
1: Court Justice of the United States. It's amazing. It is amazing.
0: Um, so from the Associated Press, I looked into some of her past rulings because I think this is really interesting. I want to say, so in her acceptance speech, she said, quote, a judge must apply the law as written. Judges are not policymakers and they must be resolute in setting aside any policy views they might hold. Of course, her saying this does not necessarily mean she will always judge in this way, but I certainly hope that she will. I think the separation of our powers and the fact that the judicial branch is not a legislative branch is very important. This is why I wanted to look into her rulings in a little bit of detail to see if her history aligns with with her words on this. One interesting case that I looked into was um, was regarding guns. Let me find the actual name of the case. Um, and I wanted to look into this just because I've seen a lot about this about this case. So she dissented. It was a gun rights case, Cantor versus Barr, so versus our attorney general. Um, Barr and two other justices said in this case that the convicted felon, Cantor could not own a gun because of his felony, and Amy Coney Barrett dissented on the grounds of her interpretation of the laws and the Constitution according to their meaning when they were adopted. So this man's felon was mail fraud. It was not a violent crime, and based on Amy Coney Barrett's reading of, of the laws and the Constitution, she thought that that what Barr was saying saying that this man could not have a gun was not in line with those. Um, and then two other cases that I at least have seen many people talk about were regarding abortion. Um, such a big topic always. Um, such a complicated topic. So Amy Coney Barrett has twice joined dissenting opinions uh, regarding, regarding these laws surrounding abortion. So one was last year in 2019, it was an Indiana law that would make it harder for a minor to have an abortion without parental notification. It was blocked by a three judge panel, but then Barrett voted to have the case reheard by the full court. The year before that, in 2018, again, a three judge panel in Indiana said that the following was unconstitutional one was that funerals must be held for fetal remains after either an abortion or a miscarriage. So the three-judge panel said that that was wrong, or that it was unconstitutional. And then the other was that abortion due to race, sex, or developmental disability of the fetus is unconstitutional. Uh, So Barrett suggested that both laws may be constitutional, and so she wanted the full court to weigh in. Just as kind of a follow-up, last year, the Supreme Court did reinstate the fetal remains law. But not the ban on abortion due to race, sex, or developmental disabilities. So that is still upheld as constitutional.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and we streamed her speech Mm -hmm. on Saturday, and it was kind of weird. I don't know weird is the right word, but (laughs) I couldn't stop crying. I was tearing up. I was trying to like fight back tears. I didn't want anyone that, Leona or the kids, for whatever reason, I didn't want them to see me crying. I was like, why am I crying right now? But I just, I was so moved. I thought it was such a beautiful moment in American history. And I think it was also extra emotional because we've had so much, so many hard times this year. And the last few years has been so much division. The t- hardship with the economy, the shutdowns, the toll that that's taking on everybody, the partisanship, and, and just to see this moment of just, I, I just thought it was pure beauty and art living right before me. It was a, it was an incredible moment.
0: Yeah, not to mention she gave a did beautiful- Did you cry? I, t- I did not cry, no. No, I'm not sure I've ever cried actually over anything- Political, to be honest but she did give a beautiful tribute to RBG and then uh, she certainly said the things that I would hope a Supreme Court justice would uphold and I just can't help but be proud of of a woman and mother choosing to do these things while also caring for their children I certainly don't think it means everyone ought to but I think when someone's meant to um, doing that is really incredible.
1: Amy Coney Barrett for president. That's <laughs> exactly what the country needed. Yes. It was a moment we all needed, as short as it was. Beautiful moment. We'd like to thank you all for tuning in to our second episode of Hello, Minnesota. And we invite you to visit our social media pages, give us comments on Facebook, give us your feedback, like, share, follow. We thank you all for that.
0: At Hello MN Podcast. Ah,
1: uh, yes. Hello MN Podcast. And goodbye, Minnesota, for now.
0: Thank you all so much.